everyone. Welcome to another edition of ARG Presents. I'm your good buddy, your good pal, Migo Aaron, joined by a man who's such an animal, I had to explain to him what protagonist meant by a series of guttural groans and grunts. I give you the Brent. Yeah, Aaron, why don't you do that right now just to remind me and get me back up to speed. Yes, that's very chimp-like of you. Well done. Thank you, thank you. So, along those lines, the Brent, if you joined us last week, we spun the wheel, we made the deal. And this week, we'll be playing games, bam, with the animal protagonist. Now, Brent. Yes. uh, Explain to the folks what the animal protagonist genre is. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. Exactly. These are games. These are games where the animals are the heroes. They run the the ones the games are based around. You know, we these games, it's funny, we had a ton of these to choose from. Uh Brent, do you have any uh favorite? We've we've played like like seven or eight of these just throughout the episodes. Yeah, oh yeah. Eater, Frogger, um, there was others. I was like, "Oh, That's I could choose that." And I was like, "No." <laughs> there was there was a, a a surprising number of these that we had already done. I was I was sorely tempted to pick Lionheart this week, but I wasn't quite sure if that would fall in. He's that would close. not fall in. He's half man. He's half cat. But I, I I resisted this week. But there are plenty of great games that involve the animal as the hero. Some of the biggest games in gaming, games like so- the Sonic series, come to mind. Uh, games like the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's tons of these games where you play as the hero. Uh, the, the PlayStation uh, had a ton of these things. Crash Bandicoot comes to mind. There's a bunch of failed mascots that were animals, right? Uh, what was that? Uh, wasn't there a bat? Bubs, I was Bubsby. Bubs. Acro, ba- Acro the Bat, something like that was one. Are there any games that stand out to you in the that where the animal is the man in this in in the genre that you enjoy a lot? Star Fox. I never thought about that. Of course, Star Fox features that god awful frog. What's that freak's name? Slippy. Slippy. Oh god. You know Star Fox. I never could understand the Star Fox series because you had this awesome three D like spaceship shooting game, which was awesome. And then they ruined it by putting a bunch of cartoon baloney in there. Hated nah. that. They could have made that a serious, a serious thing and made it awesome. We're show if you're watching the video right now, you're also seeing another one of my personal favorites that that, fought, that has been on both sides of the game. The old Donkey Kong man. Donkey Kong's been here in a lot of good games. The Donkey Kong uh, stuff with the Super Nintendo, Donkey Kong Country. I was always a big fan of those uh, games. Plus, let's not forget Donkey Kong Junior. That was another great game where you play the animal. Uh, also, another one, Brent, that comes to mind would be Echo. Echo the Dolphin. Yeah. and uh, Those are kind of neat. Uh, Calibri is another one we play where you play the hummingbird. You know, it says, this, animals are a genre, that are animal protection, a genre ripe for the plucking. They're, they've been used time and time again. Then, then how did we fail so significantly? Oh, now, take <laughs> off. Now, listen. <laughs> I think we've got a couple winners here. And by God, we're gonna we're just gonna jump right into them. There's no reason to screw around. I think most people understand what an animal protagonist. All right, I think is. we need to stop the footage because we played two different games. <laughs> no, no, it'll be fine. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm gonna I'll lead the dance this week to Brent because I'm I want to get into this thing. <clears throat> I was uh I was a bit ill this week, as you know. 
Yes, and finally came, the disease has kicked in. Yeah, it came to me in a fever dream, right? <laughs> Probably so, should have stayed there. Yeah, somewhere. Listen, I, I had just edited two and a half hours of Boat's continual singing. And as I laid there in a, in a near coma-like state, uh, I it came to me, the game to play. A game I'd heard about for years, but I'd never attempted. And this was the week to do it. Because when you talk about animal protagonists, who could forget the very famous Monty of Bam? Monty on the Run was the game I chose. Now, I literally chose this out of thin air. I just had heard of this game. I knew Monty was a mole. And I was like, I'm going to give this thing a whirl. Because, I mean, the Monty series is sort of popular, you know, uh, especially in Europe. And so I wanted to give this thing a whirl, uh, the Brent. Had you ever heard of Monty, by the way, Monty of the Run? Yes. Yeah, oh, I mean, Okay, great. But but, but not... I, I, he is, Spit it out, kid. Is, is he something else? I mean, is there another Monty the Mole? Because I, the... I have heard of Monty the Mole before. Aren't there Monty Moles in like this uh uh the, the Mario Brothers games? Maybe. Mm, I, I, believe if you... I have heard of the name Monty in reference to a mole, but uh-huh. not this particular Monty on the Run mole. There, yeah, well, there you go. Well, by God, I, I wanted to get me some, so I did. So I took a look. You know, Monty Monty on the Run uh was released on several platforms. Uh, the Brent, including the Amstrad and the uh, ZX Spectrum, the C64, and 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 to and the Famicom to a certain degree. I did, I kind of left it wide open this week in terms of the platform you played this on. I personally looked at it on the C64, and when I tell you this was a random choice, it was. I, I didn't even I didn't exactly know which platform I was going to play it on, but I ultimately just went ahead and chose the C64. Um, Monty. Uh, game that came out in 1985 for the aforementioned uh, machines and was uh, the product of a, a fellow, it originally came out in the ZX Spectrum, was put together by a guy named Peter Harap. All right, uh, Peter Harap, if, uh, I, I'm not familiar with him, but I'm not familiar with a lot of the programmers on the on the Specky. He did a ton of stuff, though. I was looking at what he did here. He did, aside from Mon- the Monty stuff, now he did European Soccer Challenge. Uh, he did Hill Street Blues. I heard of that micro micro league action sports soccer. Uh, he he also just straight up programmed a ton of games. He's apparently he was it was still working into the uh, as of last year. So I'm assuming he's still in the game here. But I mean, he looked at his uh, laundry list of stuff. He's been he's been involved in a ton of stuff. So he did the original uh, Specky version of this, uh, and then this was converted over to the uh, C64. Uh, by a, a couple guys named uh, Jason Perkins, uh, Anthony Clark, and Mark Rogers. Uh, and this game, I found out uh, when I turned it on. Um, listen, you can you can say what you will about the game, and we'll get into it, okay? But the first thing you hear, well, you see an awesome little cut screen that pops up, a little a little like a it's sort of like a recreation of the of the cover of the tape. And then you hear this tune start up. Okay, now I had heard this tune. I didn't know what game this was from. Okay, but I'd heard this tune. And it starts up, you know, and it unfurls in front of you uh, as one of the most awesome game songs I've ever heard. And I I say that uh, knowing what that means. I've listened to a lot of great music. I'm an Amigo, for God's sakes. Amiga. We got lots of good tunes on the Amiga. We got the Shadow of the Beast stuff. We got all these great songs. 
The blood money. You know, I love that. I, if I if if I was pressured today and someone said, "Listen, uh, uh, amigo Aaron, what's the finest music you've ever heard composed on a, on a on an eight bit? Certainly, but on maybe ever this Montiel to Run theme would be the all time greatest song I've ever heard. All time, my friends. It's really done really by good. The, done yeah. by the great Rob Hubbard. This guy, multi talented genius of music. And listen, he's done some good stuff. Don't get me wrong. But this is the King Dong of all music. This was great. What did you think about this music? Had you heard this before? No, I, well, I, I probably have because I listen to a lot of 8-bit music just as background noise. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I heard it on the Amstrad, not the C64. Because I, I, uh -huh. when you didn't pick a system, I just picked the first thing that came up and it was Amstrad. Right. And even on the Amstrad, or I shouldn't say even on the Amstrad, the Amstrad's fine at sound. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it was incredible. <clears throat> and it really got me pumped up to play the game, which is what music is supposed to do. Yes. And, uh, uh, and boy, <laughs> I should have just, I should have stayed on the title screen longer. Well, you know, the funny thing is, uh, and it does we, play through the game. So yeah, it, and it's long. And yeah. it's very, and it's it's uh, manic. It's great. So you knew right out of the gate, great opening, like load screen graphic, great song. Okay, we got well, something here. I don't so, agree with the load screen graphic. I think it was I thought, okay. I thought it looked great. Again, I we want to differentiate. Brent did play some of the Amstrad, and I'd played on the CC Sport. We'll talk about some of the differences here in a minute. Um, there was a game that was released on the Spectrum, uh, Brent, that was called uh, Manic Miner. Uh, that me and the boat covered this on R. Sinclair uh, a while back. And uh, by the way, if you're interested, there's a uh, uh, Frodo and L did a great series on his stream where he played I don't know like 20 different versions of that game, and it was uh, very interesting. But anyway, this this uh, was a huge huge hit uh, in Europe and UK, and spawned uh, uh, sequels and whatnot. And the premise of these games were basically the the game genre, the genre of like unbelievably deadly platformers was born, or, or at least was uh, was made uh, was made uh, persona in this game, you know. And then it, the sequel was uh, called Jet Set Willy, and this game is very similar to Jet Set Willy, a a game that was a room by room uh, uh, platforms of death game. Uh, and so I'm assuming that this that that was sort of the uh, the uh, basis of this game. So what is Monty on the run? Well, the plot of this is as wacky as the day is long. This is not the first Monty story, uh, uh, but this is the first one I've played. So uh, Monty Mole was in prison. Brent, this, you, you're in prison because he stole coal. All right, coal theft. Hey, uh, we don't like that around these parts. Yeah. He's got to get out of Britain while he can, while he still can. I've got the actual, uh, the uh, the actual tape sleeve here, uh, just to, just so everyone can, because you have to sort of understand the story to understand exactly uh, what you're looking at here. Uh, so according to the sleeve here, super fit and desperate for freedom, Monty makes his daring escape from Scudmore Prison, hounded by the bastions of law and order. Our frightened hero finds refuge with the criminal underworld who offer him his chance to breathe fresh air and bask in the sunlight once again. Moving from safe house to hideout to underground lair, Monty must select the correct five elements of his freedom kit 
from the minis offered and not miss out on the hidden golden coins that will make him a mole of leisure. I like that. At last he's free, but can he make the cross-channel ferry on time? That's your game right there. You're trying to get Monty Mole from safe house to underground and, and, and eventually to the ferry to make it across the channel and freedom. A hell of a plot, Brent, if you ask me. So you're probably asking yourself, that sounds great. How? So what's the game? Well, the game... <laughs> It's not so much. It's not so much a a uh, 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 a uh, race for freedom as it is a, a race to avoid weird crap and splat and things that mush you and try to murder you at all times. This is a brutal game. Like I said, in the tradition of uh, Jet Set Willy, there is a genre of uh, these games over here. Like I, said, I mentioned several right there of these ultra tough platformers. These games are not for the weak at heart. They are. Uh, purposely made to be pixel-perfect jumps, the timing where you only get one shot at it, that sort of affair. And this one fits nicely to that category. Now, I'll tell you, uh, Brent, full disclosure, because once I saw what this game was, I did not hesitate to put give myself unlimited men, all yeah. right? For the purposes of, uh, of, of review... Uh, there was no way I was going to get through this game uh, to any great degree. Well, I was just uh, say, there's no way you got through this game end of sentence. I got further than I would have thought. Now, having, you know, when we, when me and the boat played Manic Miner on uh, R. Sinclair, I went through several stages of despair when I played that. And the funny thing is, uh, after you play these games for a while, you, it's almost like uh, you you start to appreciate them. And then you love them, and then you can't stop playing them. And, and Monty Mole is, or Monty on the Run is very similar to that. I started out in this game, and this game, I will say, and this is my opinion, you can, t- you can take it as you want. I thought this game was uh, much, I, th- well, I would say much easier, but I thought it was easier than Jet Set Willy, uh, as far as I got. Again, they're very similar games. Uh, but when I say easy, don't misconstrue that, because I had unlimited lives. God only knows the amount of lives I would use to get past these rooms. Now, the rooms in this game are labeled, uh, and each room has, like, each, like, at the beginning, you're in the house, and you're trying to get out, and then eventually you can get down in the sewer system. Uh, And much like uh, uh, the rooms in uh, Jet Set Willy are labeled, Jet Set Willy, every room is different. This sort of just tells you the general area you're in. Yeah. Uh, You are basically hounded by these weird um like sometimes they look sort of like a bug there's a guy that has like a huge nose there's a a, a kind of a splat that flops around there's also these uh various like mushers what would you call those things that come down and smash you well uh, the enemies are all just random things yeah there's a they don't make face. sense they're not based they on the stage yeah well, they're I just mean, random things maybe they're normal in monty's creepy world but i would God forbid that that these things lived and existed in society. But I'm getting ahead of myself. When this game opens up, and the instructions alluded to this, you are asked to 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 put together your freedom kit. Okay, there's 21 things in the freedom kit. All right, I'm not going to go over them all. But stuff like compasses, ropes, ladders, axe, torch, this kind of crap. Right. So you notice that the instructions say the following line. Um, let me see here. It basically tells you not 
Oh, here it is. Here's a, I didn't read this, but this is on the back of the cover. It says, General Tips for Object Selection. It says, don't worry too much about selecting the Freedom Kit. All right, that's what it says. All right, fair <laughs> enough. That's all. That's okay. Sounds good. Don't worry too much about it. The Freedom Kit. Well, turns out that if you don't select the exact correct Freedom Kit, you can't beat the game. Yeah. So it's a little more important than, <laughs> than you're led to believe. Apparently, this pissed a lot of people off, the Brent. Yeah. That when, when they couldn't beat the game uh, uh, because they did not have the correct Freedom Kit. Now, Again, I played this on C64 with the awesome gra- or the, the awesome uh, music. I will say, uh, having looked at the, I, I had a I had a twirl on the uh, ZX Spectrum version of this as well, which has does not have the music. <clears throat> uh, it is, it's almost it's. I'm not gonna say it's identical, <clears throat> but it's very similar graphically. So when they ported this to the uh, C64, they didn't do anything to. Uh, to separate the various versions of the game, uh, they which is uh, unfortunate. I don't guess it matters. I mean, maybe maybe that's what the way they wanted it. They wanted it to be exactly like the original, which would make sense. But I mean, you could do a lot more graphically. I mean, for example, even you know, and this is a this is a hallmark of the ZX. Like all the characters are, are like solid colors. So yeah. and you don't have to do that. And I did notice, and, and you could elaborate on this a little bit since you played the Amstrad version. The one of the, one of the advantages of the Amstrad version is Monty Mole actually looks a lot better, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he looks t- tremendously better. In fact, the entire game looks better outside of the enemies who who kind of look crappy on all versions. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you did you? Uh, did, I, I'm, I'm assuming you looked at the other versions. Did, no, I, no. I actually I didn't. Yeah. I, I I did fire up the the C64 one for a little bit. And I couldn't get the sound to work on it, so I was like, I'm "Nuts to this!" Yeah. <laughs> so I went back to the Amstrad version. Right. Uh, I just from the footage I'm watching <clears throat> here, I'm guessing the controls are the same because the controls are very simple. Uh, yeah. You know, it's you have a a standard jump length and height, and there's nothing you can do about it. When you hit jump, that's what you that's as far and as high as you go. Yeah. Um. So I'm guessing the controls are pretty much the same across the board, but the Amstrad version is definitely superior in uh, visual quality. Well, I having looked at, I looked at all three <clears throat> of these, and I will say the Amstrad version, like I said, Mo- Monty looks way better in it. He's yeah. got a little vest and stuff, uh, but the game's it's still pretty basic uh, looking, even on the Amstrad. And the music on the Amstrad is there, but it's it's not in the C64 version. Has it's is the one you're going to want to play specifically based on that tune. There, that's, well, no, I think the Amstrad version is just as good musically. No, no, I don't. Oh, I agree. think I think it's just as good. I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Not even close. I don't think anyone on earth would agree with that. Uh, Monty as a character is, I like the idea of him, and he's he he actually he does things. They did some things that I are sort of endearing to Monty. He's, he's kind of hunched over like you think a mole would be. Also, he does a front flip, almost like a ninja, but he sort of tuck rolls when he flips. I can see a mold doing that. Also, when you fall, his little feet go, you know, go like, like, like flipper and, and flipping the air, which is, that's sort of funny. Uh, I want to talk about the actual gameplay here for a minute, because, and just to give you an idea of what you're <clears throat> expected to do. Uh, there are plenty of places where, I mean, whenever you come to a different room, <clears throat> and I should have mentioned this is a flip screen game. It's something else to see 64 could have had scrolling, but this is just that kind of game. It's a flip screen game. 
you'll come into a room, and you may come in from the left uh, of side of the room, and uh, you're or let's say you're coming from the from the right side, and you come in going left, and you see a stretch in front of you, b- bad guys in an area, plus let's say some uh, lava or sewage or whatever it is, and then you also see a series of ropes or doors or whatever. And as you look at this, you've got to figure out how to get across these. But you can't. It's you. You can't necessarily figure it out with one obstacle at a time in mind. Such is the is the design of this game that you have to take into account almost everything in the room that's going on simultaneously in some areas anyway, just so you can time everything perfectly. The uh, sir, just depending on what area you're in, you may you may have to make two or three perfectly timed jumps over enemies. Uh, and then perfectly time a landing where an enemy's off the area you're going to land just to get to the point where you can have a moment to breathe before you have to keep going. The the accuracy that is required in this is it's perfect. It's a perfect accuracy. Uh, and there are variables in this that you can't even get around. For example, the, the things that smash Monty, the big piston that comes down, those are completely random. I thought they were, and I read that in a bunch of places. They just... There is no rhythm to them. They just randomly come down. Now they won't come down the second they go back up. You know what I mean? But they, but they, there's no rhythm to them. So those things can be tough to deal with. Occasionally, you'll just come across stuff that you won't know what it is. Like the first time I came across this little metal ball, it was kind of buried in the ground. I didn't know what it was. Well, the second I walked on it, it was a piston that shot me straight up in the air and pushed me up through a level. To another to a, a tunnel I didn't want to be in, so I had to work my way all the way back around. Just that stuff that just put there to be irritating. There's also I remember that there was one level the first time I saw it, it had an elevator and a lift. I got in the elevator, it went straight up, hit the ceiling, and killed my guy. <laughs> That's just being a jerk. That's Dragon's Lair style abuse of Monty Mole. And so you've got to be prepared for that sort of stuff because ultimately those are obstacles. You've got to leap over the buried ball. You've got to leap over the. Uh, uh, the elevator at that point. <clears throat> Other points, you'll use the lift, but not there. There are also areas where you have to just adapt to things you haven't seen before. At one point, I got to this, state, this area where you had to jump on this like whiff of smoke or cloud, but you couldn't stand on it because it's not a platform. You had to travel with it with Monty encompassed in as he went up. Right? You had to. That, that's stuff you had to figure out. This is that kind of game where a person would get this <clears throat> and you would sit down and you would try to figure out each room, and you would have you would die over and over and over and over and over to the point where you would have to become the master of these rooms. And once you became the master of these, and I, l- I learned this from watching Frodo play uh, Manic Miner, for example, which is, it has the exact same sort of uh, timing puzzles and uh, and uh, you know uh, pixel perfect jumps. That a- as someone becomes expert at these. They eventually get to the point where they're, I mean, it's almost unbelievable how good they are. And it's basically just through attrition, you know, because they've died so many times. I had the luxury of having unlimited lives. Uh, but if you don't have that luxury, because I, I remember when I did Manic Miner with Boat, I, I didn't have the ability to do that. And so I just had to play and play and play and play and play. And I did, I was getting to the point where, like, on the first four or five levels, I could get past them. Just on muscle memory, you know, that's that, you're not going to get past them every time, but they're so difficult that you are become awesome at it because you've played them hundreds of times. Uh, what did you do? You, do you enjoy these th- th- styles of game, Brent? 
I think this game caught me on an off week. Normally, I like this kind of thing where you you slowly progress and you 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 get better and you feel yourself getting better. I normally really like games like that. Um, however, I absolutely despise this game. Uh, I think it's all the nonsensical graphics and all of the nonsensical uh, ways of movement where you can kind of, like, when you're on, like, a rope or a chain or, or whatever you're supposed to be climbing on at the time, you can move around it sometimes. You can kind of push through it. You can kind of of clip yourself into walls. Uh, you can, It's all this little thing little small things that you're thinking was this intentional am i meant to use this to get to another part of the board or is the game just screwed up and i felt myself feeling that way a lot like the cloud is a perfect example normally on an up and down cloud platform you would jump on it and you would ride it up to the top and then you would jump off like mario well, yeah well i'm yeah. like any game right it's mm. that isn't how it works here you have to both make a climbing motion, which is push up on the controller, and jump repeatedly, which you never have to do anywhere else in the game that I experience, and, and then you kind of move up with the cloud. Yeah, and it, it's, it's unusual. It, that's looking <clears throat> like the, the, the third or fourth stage. Also, it this game makes the cardinal sin of you, as soon as you walk into the second screen, the first screen's pretty easy, it gives you something to collect. It gives you a few enemies to avoid. It gives you a few platforms to stand on. The normal first room stage, whatever you want to call it, stuff. The very next stage, if you walk in, if you don't stop, as soon as you walk in the screen, you get smushed by a piston. That's that's bad game design. That no. is bad game design. See, I would normally agree with you, but these games, and, and by the way, Jet Set Willie. Are they're exactly the same. They they listen. They they hate you and they want you to die. Right? I look at this game. It's like what if the Evil Dead made a game? This would be the game they would make. They hate humans or moles in this case, and they want to torture you and ultimately kill you. They don't. This isn't the kind of game where they hold your hand at the beginning of the level and say like, "Well, here's how you jump and here's how you do this." Nah. If you're playing this game, you gotta you gotta you gotta get it together. And and it just plan on dying a lot. So I mean, I but, can understand what you're saying. And yeah, you're right. It, normally, I would be, I would with you. But I mean, these games, the fact if it, let's say it led you through a level nice and easy and held your hand, what would be the point? Because the, think of the code, the shock you would have on the level after that. You know, no, so you might no, see, it to you early. No, I disagree. There is a way to step up difficulty, right? And there's a way to show people, listen, man, you got to be careful in every stage, and it's not. You all you have to do is put up because you die the pit by the piston before you ever see a piston in the game. Yeah, but that's that's not good game. It's design. an evil game. No, <laughs> no. See that you're making excuses for it, and that's not what this game needs. Because this game has plenty of really harsh platforming that's yeah. fair. Okay, that's all I'm asking for. All you have to do is put either introduce the pistons somewhere else before you have a, an instant death trap so at least you know that type of enemy exists or put some kind of of, of sign or warning or something right it, it's it's 
I mean, after you get crushed by it the first time, you know. Okay, so it's not about that. You learn as you go. I get all that, right? But that's that's bad game design. The game should teach you what is dangerous, what you have to look out for, and it doesn't do that. And it 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 has concepts where it will the cloud perfect example. I've watched people run through this game. That cloud mechanic is never used again. I think it was just. It was stuck in there. It was glitchy as all get out. It wasn't meant to be the way it is. It is just that way. And, and they were like, man, we can't keep using this. This is all messed up. Uh, and, and the other thing that really bothers me about this game, nonsensical enemies have a place. Like wild, crazy enemies. This is not one of them. And not only that, the nonsensical enemies need to be super interesting and and, and and change with the environment or something. These are just balls, faces. I mean, occasionally you'll get something that looks like, like it's guarding something or something like that. Mm-hmm. But there are so much, there's so much of this game that is just, it's just there. Why not take the extra you know, 20 seconds to make something that fits with the environment. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking like super high detailed enemies. I'm asking for something that makes sense in the environment. And, and this game does not do that. Let me, let me just hop in for a minute here because I mean, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I'm looking at this from a little bit. I'm looking at this, a game like this is from a different, this game fits perfectly into the genre in which it was created. All right, now it's a goofy genre. Is it a fair genre? Is it? It's not. But this game, this game was released about a year after uh, Jet Set Willy. All right, anyone that doesn't think this is a Jet Set Willy homage or whatever is nuts because it is. All right, I'll, actually, I, I like this more than Jet Set Willy because Jet Set Willy I thought was really hard, and this. Has, I like the plot of this. There's actually this has a plot. Jet Set no, Willy has uh, a plot, but it's a goofy plot. I, they're they're uh, both but, goofy. That the, come both, on, man. You're not like. Also, you of, never want, take it. You never take advantage of being a mole. Part of you're, the part of the part of the thing that the, that's irrelevant. Part of the thing is you're right. It is games, the, the games of this type of this genre, this sort of like very small genre that was blowing up at the time. Goofy nonsensical characters, check. That's what that's what uh, Manic Miner had, and that's what Jet Set Willie had. That's a, they both had it. Okay, uh, pinpoint accurate jumping, insta death, cheap puzzles that they don't get warn you about. It's it's all that's part of that is part of this genre. It's not. It, I mean, I don't say I'm not saying you have to like it, but that's they were just playing. They were playing along the same lines that that uh, that the Manic Miner series was here with all this stuff. I think this was done better, and I also think that the uh, I think this is, I like I said I thought this was a little bit. Now, trust me, I didn't go that far into it. Even with old, with you know unlimited lives, I got, I got, I did okay. You know, I was in the sewer levels, messed around. I got to the house and whatnot. I didn't get to the boat. Uh, and there's also a great bit in this where you take uh, Sir Clive Sinclair's C5 and drive. I didn't get to that part, but I've seen video of it. And you do run right past the C5 early on, so I thought that was funny. If you're a 
if you're an old Specky fan. It's I also like the fact that they brought that over to the other versions, despite the fact that they weren't on the on the ZX. But I like I like what they did here, and I really do think they sort of advanced this peculiar little super ultra hard uh, uh, set of games in an amusing and fun way. Uh, you have to understand, Brent, and I I can understand where you're coming from, right? But when you play these games, and I played the crap out of this, right, a, a, a ton of it, because you have to play it a lot to understand, to get into the vibe of a game like this, I, I think. I mean, I, I, I hated Manic Miner when I first started playing it until I played it and played it and played it, and then I, but then I understood it. And there's a, there's a brilliance to the level design in these games that you don't see very often. The stuff that they have you do is so incredibly pinpoint accurate that it boggles the mind how a sucker could sit there and try to figure out how to program these levels. You got to admit that. I mean, think of designing some of these insane levels. It would be incredibly difficult. Uh, I, I don't think the level design is as incredible as you, as you're making it out to be. I, uh, most things have a pattern, uh, but the other half of the game doesn't. And it, it just has enemies moving around randomly at different speeds, which allows you to eventually sync up and make a jump. Uh, I don't think it's, I don't think they sat down and went room by room and went, okay, what's going to be the gimmick of this room? I, I don't think it happened. I bet and the reason did. why I don't think that is because there are so many mechanics in the game that are in need of tweaking or, or, or simply on the borderline of being broken. And I, that leaves me to believe that this was less uh, the the stroke of a genius pen and more of a bit of ramblings that happened to fall together. I strongly disagree with you on this. Uh, this these games and Manic Miner as well are the worst. No, no, of don't keep g- don't keep bringing other games into this. No, I'm but- not because uh, Jet Set Willing and Manic Maniac Manor. Monic, are Manic different Miner. games. They they're are, but I mean, they're games. they're 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 very similar. And the 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 amount of the amount of thought that went into these, I don't agree. They're not, I don't think they're random. All you had the, the way these are designed is, and this is one of those games where you can't you have to play. I don't know how far you got to in it as playing it, but I mean, you don't understand that by watching it. You have to you have to play it. I, I'm understand well aware. I played it, it quite a bit, and I I got. As, from what you said, I got as far as you did. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, I think. But this I is, also is a, used unlimited lives because yeah. I didn't want to waste my time. I think this, this is game a, is not worth wasting your time on. Oh, I'm I disagree. not saying don't play this game, and you absolutely need to look up the uh, uh, listen to the music. The music in this game is is out of this world. Yeah, if you're going to play really a version, out of the park if you're going to play a version of this, you I would just play the C64. There are a few graphical flourishes you're not going to get from the Amstrad. But I think this is the version that has the by far the best music, uh, and I I don't agree with Brent. I think they did a great job with this. Uh, again, this was uh, published by the guys over at Gremlin and the company that did the conversion. I believe they were called Micro Projects. They did a good job. Uh, Monty would return. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying these that every stage is bad. Okay, you you make it sound like first of all, I don't, I don't. You're think, killing it. No, I don't think that. The precision that you're trying to claim is there. I, I think, think it that, is. In fact, I, I guarantee it. 
Uh, I see. Right. I, we didn't even mention the collectibles. That are, there are gold coins around. Oh well, you can pick uh, up. well, yeah, yeah. Get the coins. Yeah. Also, the whole gimmick behind you have to get certain items, and only those items to beat the game. I, I'm not even going to go into how that, stupid that. That is. is a huge. Uh, I mean, it's in some ways that's uh, it amuses me. It wouldn't have amused me if I'd played all the way through the game and couldn't beat it because of that. But I was false replayability. That's what that well, is. Well, <clears throat> the. I look at these games are the punk music of video games. These type of games, they they're genre splitting, not like very little caring about your well being or your uh, mental well being. And so that that's why when I read that, I was not surprised. I did look some up some reviews on this. Uh, the guys over at Lemon uh, CC4 Lemon gave this a seven point eight. Uh, uh, Zap sixty four gave this a ninety percent. Uh, Computer Gamer. Uh, this is all C64, by the way. Uh, gave this 96 out of 100. Uh, ASM. Oh, gave my this, gosh. Yeah, These scores this, are uh, absolutely ridiculous. No, you're, this this game wasn't made for you, Brent. Uh, ASM gave this a 9.25 out of 10. Ace uh, gave this an 80. And Commodore User gave this an 80. Also want to mention that this one, uh, uh, the uh, this was named Retro Gamers uh, number 20 in the top 25 platformers of all time. Uh, <laughs> I, no, no, no I, I, I'm, I'm right on board with that. Uh, and, you uh, think this was the twenty, one of the top platformers of all time? All when did right, that list come out? Hey, listen, that was Retro Gamer. Now I did get some reviews. Uh, when did Brent. the list come out? Does it say? Uh, it was Retro Gamer. I didn't, I didn't check. Because if it was like '86, we might have a conversation. Uh, listen, don't be a hater. Don't hate the player, Brand. In this case, hate yourself. So. I got a couple reviews but here. That would be hating the player. You yeah. just contradicted yourself. No, you're not a good. I don't hate the good player. So our good buddy Dave Velociraptor chimed in. He says, um, "I had this as a pack in for my CPC uh, sixty one twenty eight as a kid. The music is fantastic and it looks amazing on the CPC. The Monty Sprite has color. It's a very hard game, but I didn't get too far in it. As kids, we used to play a game. One of us invented called Escape from Scudmore." Round back gardens as sort of a modified version of British Bulldogs, and almost no relation to this game other than stealing the word Skidmore from it. Later, uh, later found out what the escape kit was and what a terrible, terrible game mechanic. Having to guess what you need to restart if you get it wrong. But it's a great platformer for its time. Eight out of ten from the, from Velociraptor and our good pal Rushi, who's in the chat right now. He says, I'm only familiar with the C64 version, and even then, I've only fairly recently been introduced to it, despite hearing its praises for years from the Euro gaming community. The level design and controls are tweaked to be uh, to just the right point, where I feel like whatever magic that's there is uh, obfuscated by a truly, sadistically difficult, uh, truly sadistic difficulty balance geared towards ensuring you got your money's worth. Terrific music is the highlight that transcends time but the gameplay is as fun as eating paint chips or wall candy. The, the game did go... I've never heard that term for paint chips. The game did go on to inspire the likes of a Barnsley Badger, so I definitely credit it for pushing future generations of developers to more respectably treat their players' time. Three out of ten from the Roosh. The Roosh was not a fan of, of this particular game. Yeah, I think uh, that's fair. I looked this up on the eBay, the Brent, and if you want this for the C64, which is the one you want, the tape runs you anywhere from 6 to $20, and I didn't even find 
a uh, uh, a version of on a, on a disc as part of a compilation that was going for thirty bucks. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention as I finish up here that uh, uh, apparently this game sort of got like uh, put on the Famicom where it was like radically changed. They turned Monty to a guy. They made a lot of the enemies like prison guards and stuff. Real wacky. I didn't look at that one, but that may be something somewhere down the line that we might want to have a go at. Maybe you would find it more palatable uh, uh, than you did the weird uh, random enemies that were in this particular game. But I think this is a, a, I think this is a stone cold classic that everyone needs to check out, and certainly everyone needs to hear the music in this thing. Outstanding. So there you I'll go. I agree with the music part. There you go, the Brent. That was my look at uh, Monty on the Run. What do you bring to the table? Th- these games could not be further apart, I don't think. You don't think we could have picked two further apart games. What do you got? Well, I took the the uh, theme of this week's show, and I, I think, personally, I did a better job with it. I will be taking a look at Lion, where you're a lion and you play as a lion. You're lying to me. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a a DOS game from 1995. This is actually the follow-up of Wolf, where you play as a wolf. (laughs) Did you ever play Wolf, by the way? I have not played Wolf. I played Wolf, too. (laughs) Go Uh, ahead. So this was, uh, like I said, released in 95. It was published by Sanctuary Woods and developed by uh, Electronics Art and the Manly and Associates brand. Um, what a what a what a name! Yeah, I want to be associated with the Manly Associates. <laughs> uh, it comes out in DOS. To me, well, we'll get into that. This game has a few different options for you to do. You can either do a a free roam where you're a lion. Uh, you know, out in the uh, African Sahara and you just go and live your lion life. You hunt down food. You uh, uh, you have to find water to drink at. You have to mate and, and have little baby cubs and raise your pride and you have to, you know, do all, avoid poachers, all the lion stuff there is. There is also a scenario mode, which is where I spent 90% of my time with the game. And it gives you missions. There's about 20 of them. And it says, okay, you need to feed your cubs. And you're a lioness, and you have to go and hunt down animals and bring your keep your cubs safe and bring your cubs over and uh, have them feed. And then you're done. It gives you a score and sends you on about your life. Or uh, uh, one, of the, one of the far more amusing ones was uh, there's a lion that likes people food. And there's some poachers in the area, but the poachers got scared off by bees. So you have to go and eat their food and then hightail it out of there before they come back and shoot and kill you. So the scenarios are all over the map, but all generally same theme. You're a lion and you're going to do something. And then it scores you so you can try to go for high scores. Uh, <coughs> the and then the third part of Lion is basically like a Lion encyclopedia, and this was comes from a CD, uh, so it has that super low resolution video, and it has uh, you know voice talking telling you about uh, lions and their habitats and how they hunt and poachers and different things uh, uh, involving lions, and there's quite a bit of footage. Yeah. And there's cool. quite a bit of audio, and there's a lot of 
of good information there. Yeah. Uh, this was almost like edutainment, Brent. Because, well, no, this, th- this is edutainment, not edutainment, because this game doesn't brutally beat you down. Uh, I feel this game would be absolutely perfect for a middle school uh, computer lab, sort of like uh, Oregon Trail was, where it, it gives you a little teaching, it gives you a little bit of fun, and it doesn't it doesn't really uh, uh, beat you over the head with anything. You you you're just having fun and you're learning as you go. Uh, lion the the gameplay is a top down perspective of your lion, and you control through the mouse. It's all mouse driven uh, movement, and your lion can walk in the eight cardinal directions up down left right in the diagonals. And he has different senses. You can smell, and that will tell you what is surrounding you and in what direction and which way the wind is blowing. Uh, and that comes very important later on. <clears throat> you can do uh, uh, like sight, which is an overview like map. It gives you a better idea of what's around you with little icons, but there's not detail. It's just very uh, uh, broad, you know, distances type thing. Uh, you can also listen, and listen is mostly used to find water sources uh, where you will hear the stream or you will hear poachers is another thing to listen for, and then you will be, go up and drink and have all that good stuff. The game is very sim-like and a not very arcade-like. Perfect example, you have to lay down and, and rest to build up your stamina. There are four bars in the game. You've got your food and your water, and then you've got your speed, which is your stamina, and your health. So when you rest, you lose food and water, but you gain stamina and a little bit of health. And you have to have that stamina because when you chase down your prey, uh, if you get downwind of them, for example, or if you get too close and you don't, you know, don't sneak up on them or hide in the grass, they'll take off and then you have to chase them down. <clears throat> and some things are very hard to chase down. Some things are nearly impossible to take by just you alone and you have to get your pride involved. Uh, it's a very sim game uh, that has questionable controls. The, uh, the The mouse controls when you're trying to run really fast and it's based off of distance your mouse distance from your lion so if you're just right next to your lion you're kind of creeping along and walking and you have to slam it to the side of the screen for a full out sprint and you have to have the stamina available for sprint it works it works okay though doesn't it it, it does okay i was it surprised okay because when i saw how it was going to control I, and I, I had played it it's been years when i played it but i mean I didn't remember how the controls work, but I was like, you know, again, this is since this would probably end up in a school lab. You're not going to have like a bunch of joysticks sitting around. Uh, and so for mouse controls, I thought it, I thought this was pretty clever, right, frankly. And even the, the the way the mouse changes colors depending on how fast you're going. So I liked. I thought that was kind of neat, personally. It, it is. It is. I. But I do think the controls are the absolute worst part of the game. Um, I think. Literally any other control scheme would have been better. Excuse me. And uh, because of the control scheme as it is, 
it, it, it makes the game less fun. Now, maybe they went, they wanted that struggle, right? It, they wanted the, the movement to feel a little, uh, behind the times, a little, a little, uh, sluggish because they didn't want you to get every kill because you won't get every kill. Uh, I stalked, uh, on the first scenario when you're trying to feed your cubs, I stalked around for a long amount of time. And I just, every time I got close to something, it would run away. And the screen is pretty zoomed in, which is, makes it even more difficult. But when you do get a kill, you feel accomplished and roaring and your cubs come over and, and feed on the kill too. It, it's very rewarding. It's a very rewarding experience. Uh, also, there's a day and night cycle in the game. A and when it fades to black and you're in the nighttime and only your eyes are glowing and the enemies become, well, not enemies, the other animals become really hard to see, it's a really good effect. There's weather effects in the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, it can rain and, and it has a good lightning effect and stuff going. I enjoyed this game for what it was. I'm never going to play it again. I didn't enjoy it enough to, to check out Wolf, uh, only because the controls were, were were pretty sluggish. Aaron, how did you feel about the game? <clears throat> oh man, oh, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to this in this game. Now listen, um, is this a game you're gonna crack open a couple beers on a Friday night and say, "Man, I'm going to kill some kill some wildebeest or, or zebra"? No. However, uh, if I learned. I learned about lions this week because of this game. And I, one of the things you learn, uh, I, I went through some of the background material that's on the discs. And one of the things you learn is the lion, they don't, it's not like the every day the headline goes out and slaughters a, a big pile of zebras <laughs> and they all, and everybody just chows down. Lions can go, they'll go like, like three, they might, they might not eat for three or four days. And then when they kill something, they gorge. They, they'll eat like 35 pounds of meat, just a ton of it. It's because they may not eat again for a long time, and they're okay with it. So when you start playing this game with that in mind, like the first thing I did, I was like, going to go kill me some stuff. Put the lion in overdrive and took off. Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> the lion ran at full sprint for about five seconds, and it slowed down. And so you have to play this. Like I thought about my house cats, right? My house cats can go they can haul tail through the house for about 10 seconds. Then they sleep for 10 hours. All right. They, they, cause they're cats and lions are big house cats. Basically they, 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 and that's the way these games are. Like they even say it in the back in the, uh, if you look at the, at uh, the supporting stuff, they're like, yeah, lions, uh, they have all kinds of different ways to kill stuff. But one of the things they like to do is kill things in the most economical way possible. So does that mean get your buddies together and hose something? Yes. Uh, if you don't have your buddies, they'll just lay in the grass until something slow and dumb staggers by, and then they jump out and eat it. All right? I mean, that's what they do. If you roll by something that's already been killed, and the lion's like, oh, it looks like some pretty good eating, bam. If one of your buddies kills something, you just go eat some of his. Screw him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's how they roll. And 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 the and the, and the uh, female lions are the king or the queen dongs of, of, of hunting. The male lions they're not as good at like running and stuff as the as the female lions. And so yeah. the female lions sort of run. They you know and you get the you know you've got all the lions represented. 
the, like Brent said, the scenarios were actually pretty interesting. Like sometimes it'd be like, listen, you want this mate. It's it's time to mate, man. You know, who hasn't been here? You want a mate, but the chick you like is with this other jerk. Well, what do you got to go? You got to go beat the crap out of him, you know, and take and take the mate. <laughs> There's another scenario where like, they're like, yeah, uh, you're, you're hungry. And like, you're sick of these stupid uh, hyenas. Time to eat some hyenas, and so you got and so you got to go kill hyenas. Which is there's, normally a really bad idea because yeah. hyenas will kick your butt. Yeah, no, they they there's always a bunch of them. Then yeah. you've also got scenarios where it's like, man, you haven't eaten for a while, and you're weak, and your stats are real low. So they, there's also uh, and Brittany get into this too much, but there's you when you set up the scenario you're going to play, you can be like, okay, what's the weather? Well, what's the what's the season? Is it a dry season? What yeah. time of the year is it? Because as you learn from watching the background material, animals will migrate to different areas, and it makes it tough on the lion because when everything gets uh, dried up and is dead, there's nothing to eat. There's no zebras around or giraffes or anything. You know, something else. This game is not easy. Uh, to, you don't just walk up to the nearest, uh, uh, you know, gazelle and just chomp down. You know, Pac-Man no. style. These it's gazelles, hard. newsflash: these suckers are way faster than you. And so you've got to like be strategic, you know, and creep up on them. If you have to, again, this is not necessarily my forte, but in this game, when you get a kill, you fit, you you want to jump up out of your seat and go like, ah, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah, and another sucker. thing with hunt with hunting things down, you have to be mindful of the wind. You have to stay downwind of the animals, yeah, because otherwise you'll alert them earlier. Yeah. Uh, it's very detailed. It is very detailed in the things that you do. Now, overall, there's not a lot to do. But what you are doing, which is eat, uh, hunting, mating, raising cubs. Yeah. And by raising cubs, I mean kill something and let them eat it. Uh, it, it is, it is uh, very detailed in those regards. But that's pretty much it. The game is very shallow. Yeah, well, you know, I will say this. There again, I here's the way I look at it. If you if if a game like this where I was when I saw what you picked, I'm like, you know, one thing I'm going to do, I uh, one thing I'm damn sure going to do is not learn. I'm I'm not doing that. And then I <laughs> so did that's good. Like I could set the boy in front of this and be like, here, play this, and he would learn about lions. Just you don't have a choice. I'm not saying he have a bunch of fun, but he'd learn. the The game does have. It's not perfect. It's a game of its era. When you want to see the overhead map, you sort of hit the right mouse button, and it it fiddles around for what it comes up. I would like to have had what in a modern game. What you'd like to have right there in its place is like an on screen display that would make that a lot easier. You know, I don't want to say a radar, but just sort of an you know, so to save time, so you can access that information without having to to stop playing. I could see that because that does break up the game a lot. Well, the the map is very uh, that, the. Uh, the whole the whole interface is very questionable. Yeah, I mean um, this this game could be redone today, right, in a yeah. modern way, and it would be really cool. I yeah, think I agree. And what would be a lot of fun is multiplayer, where you get to play like a whole pride of, of lions, and you get to go around. Uh, I I remember playing Wolf. I, I it's funny I played Wolf a lot more than this back in the day, but I don't remember much about either one of them, so they didn't have a lasting effect. But I think they're neat, and I think this is an interesting title. Again, this is as close. I would say this would be an educainment title, uh, Brent, uh, because the, because uh, it's it's close. But this does meet the criteria. That's for Orange Shirt. I actually, I kind of dug it. I, I played this one 
Uh, I actually watched, I played this just about the same amount as I watched some of the background stuff on the disc. I like the idea that the disc is, you know, I, I wonder what the controls like they are. I wonder if they had uh, visions of maybe release this on like the CDI or something. Something that didn't require you to have a keyboard or a joystick. Uh, and that's well, why they no, because you have to have the keyboard to well to but function. I'm, but I'm talking with the you could the CDI has the has keys on the key on the remote. Yeah. You know, I wonder if this was something that maybe they thought about. This was released in '95, I think. '95, and '95, and this will run. By the way, this will run under Windows '95. And we should also mention this: uh, you can run this in ExoDOS. The ExoDOS package has this game. So if you're interested in checking it out, uh, I thought it was fun. And this is the most satisfying you'll ever feel when you kill something because you will yeah. you will you will fail over and over just because stuff everything is faster you know and and it and, it, and also everything is more endurance so yeah. it it makes it tough I didn't see any of the poachers I know you could set the amount of poachers that are out there I never came across any of the poachers but I didn't I guess if you played this in a non scenario for a long time you probably would come across them I I played it mostly like you did in the scenarios. I I came across the poachers, but I never got close enough to get them to shoot at me. Yeah. Uh, but I've heard that once they're on the screen, you die. It's yeah. just, you know, they've got guns and you're a lion. So yeah, I dug this though, Brent. I thought this was a good choice. I thought this was. I, I definitely think that if this is something that sounds interesting you to you, go and take a look at it because it plays well enough to get a couple hours of entertainment from it. This is not the, uh, uh, you know, the end-all, be-all of simulation games. It's not something that you're going to become a lion expert on, although you will learn a lot if you want to. Uh, And it it certainly is not the best controlling game in the world, but it has just enough of everything in the right places that you can have fun with it. And after you kill a few things... Uh, and you you decide you're done, you aren't going to feel bad or, you know, feel like you have to come back to it. I played this, I played it for, I think, four hours, and when I put it away, I was like, you know what? I feel like I've experienced all Lion has to give me, and I was happy to have done it, but I don't plan on going back to it. I will say this. This is all the only game we've ever covered where you could watch... Uh, a pro- a bunch of lions in real life take down a buffalo and start ripping it to shreds because that's one of the video clips. Yeah, the there, there's some graphic video clips. Yeah, they they don't hold back. You know, the, I was reading uh, some. This game was real well received, and was. so was Wolf. Like they got like a uh, uh, Manly and Associates got over with these yeah. games. Yeah, uh, this so, was in a series of games that they just stopped. I don't. I guess it was. Uh, not financially viable. Yeah, and it, uh, it makes one wonder, because, I mean, this is a game that, like, you could have put something like this. This came out in 95. You could have done something similar to this on, like, the PlayStation or something if you wanted to. Or, you know, you there were other options. If you combine the two games, yeah. you've got you've got a, a, a modern game. Yeah, yeah. I dug it, though, Brent. Good choice. I could not find this on eBay. And uh, no one in the Discord was was brave enough to to uh, take on the the African Badlands. I think so. they're more afraid of taking on the MS DOS Badlands, uh, Brent. <laughs> and speaking of Badlands, you know what that means? 
We're no. going to the Badlands of the Wheel. Break the oh, wheel. Here we wow. go. Bam. Not yeah. your best transition. Listen, it wasn't your best outro either, pal. So, <laughs> once again, this week, we dig deep, deep, Brent, into our bag of tricks to come up with a new piece. Uh, Brent assures me that the new pieces are good. should be back for the printer sometime this year. Uh, but uh, we added another one from the old uh, Thanks for Giving Marathon. Whoops, I just used the wheel to exit out that scene. I'd say, hey, like, uh-oh, <laughs> it's a bad sign when the wheel doesn't want to spin. It's <laughs> true. This time we added, and I do this with a certain sense of dread, Brent. This was a suggestion for Thanksgiving. Games that got a legitimate score of 2 out of 10 or less. This was a suggestion from Greb W. Vepke. And our retro piece this week, the CD30, or the, excuse me, the 32X. The 32X. You can see it right there. Are you ready, Brent? This is an ugly wheel this time around. And there's a there's a lot of badness on there. I'll Here we go. And the wheel has already spoken. Look, even our little faceplate's crooked. <laughs> Fix that. There we go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, by the way, you in the chat, get ready. There are, I think, two different things in here that might require you to do to spring into action. So, here we go. Here's the spin, and the winner is. All right. All right. Okay, we've got a winner here, and it is last in a trilogy. Last in a trilogy, Brent. This okay. Is a, this is a suggestion from David Z uh, out in Arizona, our good buddy. We just played games with him last night. David Z uh, has picked last of a trilogy. So this is the game that either closed out a brilliant trilogy or shut down a series that was going further than a trilogy. So any way it goes, it should be a game of a certain degree. Uh, so, Brad, do you have any thoughts about that before we move along? Do you want to, are there any, uh, are any, uh, thing you want to do in terms of limiting what we can choose or we, is it wide oh, open? Oh, no, no. I think this is a wide open one. Uh, any game that, that ends in three, I suppose. There you uh, go. Also. Well, last we, of a trilogy. We need to mention that we will be filming early next week. Yes. Uh, we will actually be filming live on Thursday. Thursday evening. Yeah, Probably about eight. Six o'clock. Oh, six. Seven o'clock. Eight. Somewhere in that area. We will post we'll that on the it. Discord and Twitter and all that good jazz. Because um, I will be out of town over the weekend. The rele- the video release will still be on Sunday. Tell the people where you're going, Brent. I'm going to Tennessee. Tennessee. Man. Have a jug for me, my friend. Hey, I wanted to, you know, uh, for those of you that joined us uh, just the other night for Amigos 300, uh, I was sick. Brent was actually uh, going to try to appear on that show, but I, I was unable to have company uh, for the safety of the nation. Uh, but I want to talk to Brent, because Brent's actually been a, a good part of the Amigos for years and a, as a, uh, a, a frequent guest and sometimes fill-in host. What are your? Uh, do you have any th- thoughts of the uh, 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 300 episodes of Amigos? Then you've probably been in probably, I bet you've been in at least 10 of them. Yeah, I've been in about a dozen. Uh, I am incredibly proud of the two of you for enduring uh, so many ups and downs and trials and tribulations to continue a, a weekly weekly schedule on uh, a topic that I know is near and dear to both of your hearts. Um, I It has been very entertaining to watch the show uh, evolve as it has. Uh, it 
the quality and production, of course, has always gotten better. Uh, the banter is is usually witty and fun, uh, and it is interesting to see the uh, the the whole evolution of the product, uh, the expansion of into different channels into that have grown into their own little uh, uh, offshoots, and the other people that have been kind of picked up and placed under the Amigos branding umbrella it has been a joyous thing to both support in the beginning and become a part of later in its lifespan very good the checks in the mail pal uh, <laughs> after putting that over now you know me and you i'm trying to think of the episodes that we covered on the amigos over the years i know we did jurassic park was one that me and you did and uh, we Dark also are uh uh Something seed with the with the crazy demon seed, I think, or something like that. And we no. also did uh, we also did uh, WrestleMania, I believe was. In fact, that was the infamous wrestling bit. Man, I should have stuck that in there because hardly anyone's seen that. Uh, the, but I know we covered that one. We've had a lot of fun, I and mean, you've been there for a lot of the special episodes, Christmases, Dark Seed. Thank you, Brock. Uh, you've been there for a lot of the special uh, episodes, Christmases, and and the Amigathon and whatnot. You know, I wanted to mention one of the questions I got a lot of was we showed a clip uh, during the show of uh, the uh, the hidden, the forbidden episode uh, that was lost to time, episode 100, Brent. And I had a lot of people comment that during the entire episode, and we could play, I've got it, if you're watching at home, I'm flipping through it here. Often the Brent is, of course, the one's eyes that show he's not, but often he's looking at his phone. And people kept asking, boy, Brent wasn't paying attention. Look at this sucker. He's uh, used his phone the whole time. Tell him what you were doing right there. I was actually monitoring chat yeah, and, was... and, and interacting and with chat at the time. Yeah. Uh, and during this time period, the only way we could do that was with our phones. Yeah. Uh, and, and still be, you know, in the camera shot. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple uh, of episodes also... I showed of that. Yeah. But also, I, I became quite numb to the situation pretty early on. So yeah. it wasn't what? until things it wasn't until things really fell apart that I started to take particular notice. When you when you see me and Brent exchange nervous glances, you know it's went down because <laughs> never good. That's never good. We had a lot of fun uh, over the years on that show, and uh, I'm sure Brent, you will be back in. Uh, sooner than later, as, as Boat takes one of his many holidays overseas or whatnot, and then me and you are stuck at home. Uh, but uh, I, I do want to acknowledge, and we appreciate you uh, for popping over and taking a seat occasionally. It's always a good time uh, when you come around. Now, speaking of a good time, and speaking of uh, something that Brent will be involved in, I want to briefly touch on, bam, Amigathon 2021. Uh, everyone now this is going to be a happening and i want everyone that can be involved to get involved uh this uh will we've got a great lineup uh of of uh of uh, guests that are going to be taking over little segments uh everyone from rmc neil for uh, uh will be there uh dan and rob who you're going to be on kim justice is going to be on control art reese a bunch of different people are going to be on uh, helping us raise money for Children's Miracle Network. I also want to mention that this year 
Uh, Boat, and I got to give Boat credit on this one, Brent. He's quite the genius. Uh, after the 12 hours of Amigathon are up, the show doesn't end. Uh, we're going to pass the baton off to other streamers who are going to keep the ball rolling. Hopefully, we can circle the globe uh, with streamers. I've got a bunch of people in mind I would love to see get in there and take a shot at streaming an hour, half hour, an hour from Amigathon. Uh, and and when uh, Boat's idea is we've got a uh, sign up sheet, the Discord, and we've got a, we do a lot of uh, streamers, uh, you know, are in our Discord, and we would love for you guys to go in, pick a time, or talk amongst yourselves, as it were, and get in there and get together and work out when you want to take over, uh, what hours are best for you. Maybe you're on the West Coast, maybe you're somewhere in the Central area, maybe you're out in the Pacific, maybe you're uh, in uh, more of a, uh, you know, Western Europe or Eastern Europe, whoever it is, it's a great way for you to throw in your hat to ring to uh, raise some money uh, for a good cause. Plus, uh, you get to entertain and expose your streaming skills to a probably a new audience. And I can tell you that every year, Amigathon is, is uh, our biggest, our most watched show. And so I think this year is going to be a, a big, huge event. And this is a perfect opportunity to expose uh, your uh, streaming skills to the world and do it for a good cause. So uh, more information available over in the Amigos Discord. We would love to see everyone get involved in this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the brand. Any thoughts on that? It will be nice to actually be able to uh, get together for an Amigathon. Yes, we will be finally, unless I get sick again, live and in person for that one. So, I think that... You didn't actually it. mention the date of Amigathon. You want to do that real quick? Well, you know, it's funny you should mention that because I'm looking at the poster here and my eyesight is so bad. I'll let me see if I can actually read the date here of the Brent. Uh, it's July 24th, 2021, noon UTC. Noon UTC. So, there you go. I didn't drop the ball on that. Um, I think that's all we got. You got anything else you want to say, Brent, before we head on out the door? Nope, except for uh, join us on Thursday this week. Special ARG presents Time and Place. So there you it go. should be fun. There you go. So thanks again, everybody, for joining us in chat. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time, feed your lion. What? Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Hello to our YouTube subscribers and our Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for an amazing closing theme. Want to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at our new Patreon at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Ram, W. Vetke, Rolo, Olaf Hope, Anthony Jarvis, Terry Howard, Gary Heather, John Schaller, The Slow Morris, Frodo NL, Steve Rapmussen, Bernhard Lucas, Chris Folds, Mitsuyama, Jason Warns, Rob Black O'Hara, Andy Craig, Dave Velociraptor, Retroalogy, Hermsky, John Dykeman, Jerry Dennington, Z9K9, and Mr. B. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay too. You can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Email it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT on Twitch. 
hope to see you there.